A blindfolded man stumbled onto a highway near South Bend, Indiana. Seconds afterward, the man was struck by a vehicle, sending him flying more than 40 feet down the road. Upon closer inspection, the man's hands and feet had been bound, and due to the blindfold, he clearly had no idea where he was or what he was doing. Police never determined how the man ended up on the highway or who even put him there. Forty-four-year-old Stephen Melke was a factory worker at a local rubber manufacturing plant in Mishawaka, Indiana. He had recently lost his wife and was raising his three sons on his own, aged 18, 14, and 8. Stephen did the best that he could to provide for his children and was always looking for promotions at work that would help him bring home an even higher salary. Even though his work and home life were going fairly well, Stephen could have never anticipated that he would soon become involved in a missing persons cold case. On the evening of December 21st, Stephen was training for one of these promotions that he'd been anticipating for a long time. He seemed to enjoy his job at the rubber plant, so when the opportunity arose for him to become a foreman at the factory, he jumped on it. He brought home some studying material that he would need to review before being offered the position. According to his three sons, he spent the entire evening of December 21st looking over the material. The kids went to bed at around 11 p.m. that night, but Stephen stayed up so he could continue learning everything that he would need to know for his new position. Strangely, at some point later that evening, Stephen left his home for unknown reasons and would never be seen again. His children never heard him leave, nor did he give them any indication that he planned on leaving for any reason that night. His children wouldn't find out that he went missing until the following morning. It would be around 3 a.m. when a 29-year-old was driving on Highway 20. He was traveling through an area that separated South Bend and Mishawaka, when, without any warning, a strange-looking man walked in front of his car as he was traveling at a high rate of speed. The driver stopped as quickly as he could, but it was too late. The man had already been struck, and the impact sent him more than 40 feet down the highway. The driver got out of his car and ran to help the man. But when he arrived at the man's side, he realized something truly bizarre and very mysterious. The man had been blindfolded. His legs and hands were bound, and he had surgical tape wrapped around his head, keeping his mouth sealed shut. The driver didn't know what else to do, so he got back into his car and continued driving down the road until he found the nearest payphone. He then called the police and waited at the scene of the crime for them to arrive. When officers arrived, they quickly identified the man as Stephen Melke. On this particular evening, there had been a large amount of snowfall, meaning that the tire tracks and footprints were very apparent when officers were investigating the crime scene. They traced Stephen's footprints to the side of the road and quickly learned that a vehicle had dropped him off on the side of the highway. According to the tracks, both of Stephen's feet had been bound at the time that he was pushed from the car. However, at some point along his journey, Stephen lost his shoe and managed to get one of his feet free from the restraints so that he could walk normally. Unfortunately, his hands were still bound, so he had no way of removing the blindfold or the tape that had been wrapped over his mouth. Police officers noticed that Stephen had made his way into the woods before finding his way back onto the highway. Interestingly, near the edge of the woods, a second pair of footprints were found. This detail confirmed to officers that Stephen had certainly been placed there with malicious intent, 
and it seemed that whoever dumped him here watched him stumble through the woods for a while before heading back to their vehicle and leaving. A sample of the tire tracks was taken by officers, and police were anxiously awaiting to hear from medical personnel so that they could interview Stephen when he eventually regained consciousness. However, unfortunately for everyone involved, Stephen would never wake up. Police were now left with dozens of questions that would remain unanswered. Officers then headed to Stephen's home to see if there were any clues that may help explain what happened that evening. When they knocked on the door of his home, one of his three sons answered. The children told officers that they had no idea that Stephen had even left that evening, nor did they have any idea where he may have gone. They told police that as far as they knew, Stephen planned on studying his work material until he went to bed for the night. Police had a difficult task of informing the children that their father had lost his life. The two teens were old enough to fend for themselves, but their eight-year-old brother was taken from the home and placed in foster care. Police continued to investigate the home and found that absolutely nothing was out of place. And the home was as neat and tidy as it had been the evening before. Thus, officers needed to broaden their scope of the investigation and decided to check out some of the local spots that Stephen would have frequently visited. One of these places was a local diner called the Old Heidelberg. Officers began to ask around the restaurant and quickly found a waitress who I believe was named Bertie, but I can't really find an official pronunciation to make 100% sure that this was how you'd say her name, but Bertie's fiance was at the bar as well. During an investigation into Bertie, they realized that Stephen had been coming to the diner for quite a long time and they developed a friendship over the last few years. Stephen and Bertie's fiance did not get along, and it seemed as though her fiance, Alan, was a very jealous man. Stephen and Alan had gotten into arguments multiple times in the diner, but things never escalated to a physical level. Regardless, police believed that this was enough to suspect Alan of being involved in Stephen's demise. They interviewed both Bertie and Alan, but their alibis checked out. They also put the two through lie detector tests, and they both passed. Finally, they examined the tire tread on both of their vehicles and found that they didn't match the tracks that were found at the scene of the crime. Thus, they were both cleared of any involvement and were free to go. Next up was a man named George, who was also a regular at the diner and even a co-worker of Stevens. Bertie explained that she had seen George at the diner several times and that he and Steven had gotten into arguments on multiple occasions as well. Police were suspicious of George, but once again, he had a solid alibi, and his tire tread did not match the tracks that were found on the side of the road that evening. Police knew that whoever did this to Stephen had to have known him on a personal level. They found no clues that showed any signs of forced entry at Stephen's home, meaning that he left his house of his own free will that evening, and likely trusted whoever he was meeting or whoever he left his home with. After interviewing George, police had no further suspects to investigate. Unfortunately, none of Stephen's children ever found out what happened to their father. And considering their mother passed away when they were very young as well, they were forced to live the rest of their lives without their parents. The case of Stephen Melky had officially run cold, and to this day, more than 70 years later, no further progress has ever been made. But that's the video for today, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to hit that like button. If you loved it, maybe consider sharing, subscribing, or clicking that blue join button below to really show your support for the channel.
But I've been Ty Knotts. You guys have been lovely, and I'll catch you in the next video.